Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and joining me is LPJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teacher professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right, thank you everybody and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico and of course joining right alongside, and I'm glad to welcome her back, is LPJ professional and Legends Tour player Cindy Miller. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you today? I'm I'm doing fantastic. Another uh, beautiful sunny Tuesday morning. We've finally had some rain here in uh, in Florida. We've had a bit of a drought for the last month, so it was kind of nice to get some a bit of a reprieve. But uh, of course, uh, the hot, humid, and steamy weather is right back today. So, uh, but I'm not going to complain. Um, Cindy, before we bring on our, our first guest this morning, uh, we've got a great show. Actually, we've got uh, a young lady. Uh, who just won her very first uh, professional event last weekend, the Four Winds Invitational, uh, Perrine Delacour. She is a native of Paris, France. Um, before I get into all of that, um, and then a little bit later on, we're going to be joined by Paul Castor, uh, who was actually scheduled a little while back. Uh, he's the founder and owner of Paul Castor Golf Coaching. Um, Cindy, of course, you were off last week, so uh, I was very impressed by your um, barrage of what you've been doing for the last uh, week. So let the folks know just how busy of a girl you are. Well, it started uh, last Monday. I played in the Jim Kelly Invitational. Uh, Jim Kelly's the NFL Hall of Fame quarterback from the Buffalo Bills. I play in this tournament every single year. I am the token chick of the celebrity bunch that comes to play. Um, Daniel Ball is David or Daniel Baldwin. Um, a bunch of different football players and all this stuff are there, and. Um, What's his name? Oh, my God, I just went brain dead. Anyway, so lots of people play. And I had a great team from California there. The name of the company is Team Golf. And then I spoke. I was a keynote speaker at the Duval Safety Summit in Niagara Falls, which Duval Safety is a company that helps all kinds of um, businesses make sure that their employees are safe, like high-wire electrical people and big plants and all kinds of stuff. And then I got on a plane that afternoon and flew to Seattle where I played in the Legends Cup uh, at Suquamish Clearwater Resort in Seattle. And then I flew back and I drove to Turning Stone, which is in the middle of New York State, for the Independent Bankers of New York State, their national convention. And I played golf at Turning Stone yesterday and then did a keynote speech last night and today I'm driving back to Buffalo and I'm teaching lessons for nine hours nonstop. How are you doing? Wow. So <laughs> so in other words it was a it was a pretty a pretty light week <laughs> for Cindy Miller. <laughs> right? I looked at wow. it and we made it. We made it. We made it. So I didn't play very well. I still made money. I didn't finish last. Um but I I have some issues that I have to fix with alignment, which I, you know, your brain is so screwed up. My brain is so screwed up. Maybe not everybody's is, but right. 
Um, you aim right, you look left, you pick it up, you come over the top, you miss it dead left, it kicks off the hill, it goes down into a pit, and you make double. We're like, oh, well, that was easy. How do we do that again on the next hole? <laughs> so yesterday I was grateful that I got to be able to play because it's like, well, wait a minute, I don't really swing that bad. What is the underlying issue? So right. that's my message of the week is what's the underlying issue? What's lurking beneath the surface? Because nobody tries to miss it. There's always a why behind the what. Right, so, exactly. There you go. Well said. Yeah, well, welcome back. I'm always uh, happy to have you here Tuesday mornings alongside. And uh, as I've said many times, nobody spins plates better than Cindy Miller. Uh, she gets the job done. <laughs> and uh, she might she might, <laughs> she might, might fall asleep at the end of the week uh, in, in uh, extreme tiredness, but uh, she'll get the job done in between. Um, all right, so as I mentioned, Cindy, we've got a, a great guest, a young lady uh, starting off here, the show this morning, uh, Perrine Delacour. Uh, as I said, she won the uh, 2019 Four Winds Invitational on the Symmetra Tour. Uh, she's 25 and a native of Paris, France. Uh, and for those of you that follow soccer, know that France is hosting uh, the World Cup right now. And uh, I think Team USA, the women's Team USA, is doing quite well. So uh, for those of you following soccer, uh, you might want to check that out. Uh, she was a rookie both on the Symmetra Tour and the LPGA Tour in 2013, uh, but actually started playing golf at the age of nine. Uh, she's also a member of the French national team. Uh, she graduated from the Symmetra Tour in 2013, uh, thanks to four top ten finishes to end the year at number eight in the Volvic race for the card. A uh, total of 68 starts on the LPGA Tour, entering in uh, the 2019 season with career best finish of solo fourth at the t- 2015 Kings Mill Championship and had a total starts, uh, 16 starts on the Symmetra Tour entering this season uh, with, up until now, her career best solo second at the 2013 Symmetra Tour Championship. But as I mentioned, uh, she won this past weekend. Uh, her career low of uh, 10 under par, 62 in the second round of the 2017 Manu Life LPGA Classic. So a very uh, accomplished young lady, and I know she's very, very excited. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest this morning, winner of the Four Winds Invitational, uh, Perrin Delacour. Good morning. Good morning, guys. How wow. are you doing? Wow. <laughs> Good and you. Doing very and well. Where might uh, you be today? Congrats. I don't think she heard you. Wh- Perrin, where are you where, calling from, Where Perrin? are you today? I'm in uh, daycare for the next uh, Symmetra tournament. Nice. Well, congratulations on your win. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Ted, go ahead. So, so Perrin, yes, uh, again, congratulations on your win. I know this is your first professional win, and I watched a little snippet of an interview that you did with Zach Sapanik off the Symmetra Tour, and uh, you said that you were probably going to – uh, sleep with the trophy the first night. Uh, you were very, very excited. Uh, did that uh, Did that happen? I actually did not sleep with it, but he's like he's staying near to me like since Sunday. I just want to make sure like I babysit him and make sure he's keeping with me. <laughs> very, very good. Well, let's talk a little bit about the event, and then we're going to talk a little bit about some of your, your daily and weekly routines. We'll do that a little bit later on. But first off, let's just talk about your win. Um, you were actually leading uh, in the uh, final round, uh, and then you made the turn 
and actually bogeyed number 11. Um, tell us a little bit from that point on until the end of the tournament, um, what sort of happened to, to spur that, that stretch of birdies that you, t- you carded? So, yeah, I did bogey 11. So at that point, I was not leading anymore. And then Jillian, the other girl that I play with, she made I made a really good up and down on 14. And then at that hole, she made a bogey. She missed like five-footer putt, not even five, like maybe four-footer putt for par. And I made par. And then I was like, mm, no, we're, we're like, we were tied at six under and then I made a really good putt birdie putt on 15 like I made 10 footers and she missed her putt for birdie and I was like mm, no I'm leading and I know 16 was a good hole a good chance for birdie for me because it's a par 5 we could reach it if we make like a good driver driver of the tee and I hit a really good drive and I had like eight iron into my hand to the pin, and I made like I was like 15 footer from the pin, and I just tapped in for birdie. And I was like just keeping real, like trying to be relaxed, but honestly, it was hard because I knew I was leading the tournament by two. So I was like just trying my best to finish as strong as I can. Right, and then you went on actually on number 17 as well. You also made a birdie, so you birdied. 15, 16, and 17, and then you finished up with a nice solid par, uh, number 18, to secure the lead, So, or to secure the win, rather. Um, so obviously you were able to, to turn it around uh, after making that bogey on number 11. Were you, um, were you pretty comfortable throughout the tournament, do you think? Did you feel confident in your game? Well, when you think, when, I don't know if you take a look at the score, but after the first one, I was not even, like, in the cut line. I was three over. But I knew, like, on Friday I was playing good, but I was just not patient on the course because I've been playing every tournament since, like, the stretch, this stretch. So it was eight tournaments, so that was my fifth one. So I was pretty, like, not patient. But I'm, like, on Saturday I just told myself, just be patient and enjoying the moment and everything. And, of course, it was way easier because everything was going in the right way. So it's easier to be patient that way. And then, but my game was pretty good. Even on Friday when I shot three over, I was not, like, playing terrible. So I was not, like, really stressed about my game. Right. Um, what's, what's the, what would you say is the strongest area of your game? Well, right now it's my driving. I'm hitting pretty. I always have a good driving, but like I'm, I'm pretty much making every like not missing a lot of drives. So that helped me a lot, especially last week, because some of the holes you needed to to make like make sure you can hit the driving and not missing to one side, like because the rest was the ref was really thin, thin. So it was hard to like just hitting into it. So right. I'm just like, so obviously, I was pretty, pretty good with my driving. Right. So obviously, as we all know, it's important to, to have a good shot off the tee. Um, Cindy, go ahead. I'll let you pick up from here. So let me ask you, how did you stay patient when you were three over par and not freak out? What was it that helped you, I guess, stay focused on the task at hand and not worry about what you were shooting? Uh, so, 
when I was actually, so I was three over the first day after 14, and then the last four holes I made one, I shot one under, and I was like, oh, I, it was a good way, like, I was like, oh, you just be patient, just enjoy, and then make as very, as much value as you can, and on Saturday, I was like, just patient, and at some point, I was not even sure if I shot like five, six, seven, or eight under, because it was just like, just one shot at a time. I was not like even thinking about the future, nothing. That's awesome. That's so awesome. let me ask you this. How long did it take you to learn that mindset of stay focused on the task at hand in the present moment, no past, no future? I mean, for someone who's not that old, you're very mature. And I teach a lot of kids and I have them listen to the program so that they can learn from all of you great players. So what would you tell someone who's always worried about what they shoot and has trouble staying in the present moment? Well, it's hard, I can tell you, because even when on the last week when I was leading on 16, I was already, like, thinking of who I should think, like, on my, like, at the end and everything. But I'm like, (laughs) the hardest part is... When you think about it, you need to know, like, oh, right now I'm thinking about the future. And you need to put yourself back in the present where, for me, I'm just, like, breathing, like, just looking, like, just enjoy and not thinking about everything else. Just thinking about, like, pay attention to how I walk, how I, like, do everything and just, like, thinking about it right now. Awesome. Very good. Ted? Yeah, very good. Um, Perrin, let me ask you um, something about just to sort of follow up on that. Um, are you? Would you consider yourself to be a very? Um, uh, I'm trying to think of somebody that uh, that you would maybe be familiar with um, to compare it to. But on the men's side, uh, somebody like an Ernie Els, who's a very uh, sort of a I don't want to say a slow player, but has a very uh, a slower cadence, not a very fast-paced player. Are you someone that plays somewhat like Ernie and Ernie L's that type of cadence, or are you a little bit faster player where you, um, you know, are, are quick and and uh, in your pace and your swing? What type of a player would you categorize yourself? So, so I'm actually so I'm playing fast. I mean, when I say playing fast, is I get the yardage, I pick the club, and it's either going to be good or bad. So I'm not like thinking about so many times. I'm like pick the club, and it's like okay, it's either going to be the good one or the bad one. But just try to hit it. But I'm just taking time for like the pre-shot routine. So yeah, I'm taking a little bit of time. But I'm usually one of the fasters, and I'm always asking the girls on the tour, is like, hey, are you guys okay for ready golf? Because I hate waiting. It's just like drives me crazy. I'm <laughs> terrible when it's slow play. I'm playing like terrible. Well, that that was going to lead to my next question, um, and I, the reason why I asked you that one first is I wanted to get an idea of of the pace of play that you have. So, if you're in a tournament uh, situation, uh, Perrin, and let's say your playing partner is a very slow, sort of methodical type player. Does that sometimes throw you off your game having to wait for that player? Well, usually what I say to that player is is always, oh, are you guys okay for ready golf? And they usually say yes. So I'm just hitting before her and then before out of her turn because 
I'm just driving, go straight to my bowl, make my yardage. And if she's not ready, I'm just like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm ready. And I just go hit it. Right. Good for you. Right. That's great. Yeah. Well, and, and that's important, Cindy, you know, because for a player that has that sort of a mindset, if you're going into a round, the worst thing you can do is let the other player, because they're obviously everybody plays differently, to throw you off your game. So it's good, uh, Perrin, that you do that. Um, we want to talk to you a little bit about, um, you know, maybe a little bit of your daily and, and even uh, and or weekly routines, if you will, uh, just to, to let the, the listeners get an idea of, of some of the things that you do to prepare. So obviously um, is nutrition and fitness important to you? Or are you somebody that, that um, you know, watches what you eat and, you know, um, exercises fairly regularly to keep yourself in, in shape for playing? Um, actually, so during season, it's hard for me to, like, just keeping in, like, in a daily routine for workout because I'm getting tired and everything. So I'm just, during the season, I'm just, like, taking more self about, like, the rest and make sure I'm fresh for the tournament instead of just, like, working out in a program and then just kill myself. So right now, I'm not, like, one of those girls, like, working out every day. I'm probably working out once a week. But I do care right. about the rest a lot, and I do care about what I'm hitting. I'm not like I'm I'm always being care about what I'm making like in my body, and then make sure I'm like not putting like bad food into it. Right, you're obviously conscious uh, about what you eat and and feed your body because obviously you have to have stamina out in the golf course, and if you're um, eating something with high sugars and starches in it, obviously it's gonna uh, make you crash a little bit through your round, so getting good rest. Yeah, yeah. So it's very interesting. I, I, but I've been like that. I've been like that since like a couple of years. I know like high sugar is not good. I know a lot of people doesn't know, but when you eat banana on the course when it's hot, it's not really good too. So I've been like really cautious about that. So what right. do you and, and that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I usually hit like a cereal bar, like a um, protein bar maybe one or two max, and then just drink a lot of water. Awesome. Very good. What about, um, Perrin, what about um, on the range? When you go to the range, not before a round, but during a practice session, uh, let's start there first. Um, what do you like to work on? What's important for you to work on? Uh, and how do you prioritize your time? So actually, so when I so let's say for during the during season, um, on on Tuesday I usually do a practice round, and but usually I'm more working on my short game and putting that day, and then on Wednesday I usually work on a little bit of my swing, but I do like just a drill, like a, just a normal drill, like used to drill, like drill where I work with my coach, but not for a long time to not be in a too much in the technique because I'm like a really field player and I need to I don't want to be in the technique so I'm just like feeling it and then just work on the basic which is great closer to the ball and tempo and that's all because if everything worked pretty good for me it's it's going to be good so I just do that but not for a long time I think for like an hour an hour and a half but then I, I spend like almost two hours on the chipping chipping greens and then I put it also so for me it's more like short game right 
And I don't it, really, it's interesting, I, I don't really like to be on. I don't really like to be on the range like eating bulls for like three hours. It drives me crazy. Yeah, I, I kind of sense that, and and that's unfortunately, Cindy. I think what a lot of our amateurs do is they spend a lot of time on the range, um, not practicing the things they should be, but just sort of beating balls for a couple of hours, and and it's not uh, very productive. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Um, you can pick up here. So if you were going to have, like, today's Tuesday, you have a day off, it's a practice day, what would your typical day look like? So typical day, I usually, well, not today, but I usually play early in the morning in the practice room, so I avoid the wait in the six hours practice round, so that don't drive me crazy. So I usually play around, like, 7.30, 7, 7.30, do my do my like round and then have lunch and then just put it like make sure I have the speed on the green and work on my putting technique and then I just go rest and then we have the prime party later in the day but I don't hit balls on that day and then on Wednesday I usually it depends if I'm in a prime on Wednesday or Thursday but let's say this week I'm on Thursday so tomorrow I'm just gonna practice like my chipping and then my putting and a little bit of my swing, but not too much. And then I'm just going to rest and go work out on that day because it's kind of a day off for me, just practice, so I have time to work out. And then on Thursday, since I'm playing in the prom in the afternoon, in the morning, I'm probably going to slip in, try to slip in, and then just work on my putting again, and then play the prom. And usually after the prom, that's where I make the drill and make sure I have this drill, like, to have the feeling and then just remind me before the tournament. Awesome. So you only play on Tuesday and then the pro am round. Yeah. Hmm. Perfect. Very very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. But go ahead, Cindy. When you say you do the drills, what would the drills be? So I put uh, I put like a head cover under my right arm, and then I just make sure I keep it on the um, on the um, on the top of my backswing all the way until the finish. So I turn in more because I have a tendency to flip my hands. So then with that drill, I work more with my body and turn more into it. Got it, got it. And who are your coaches? I'm working. I started working with um, Chris Mason in uh, last November. Nice, nice. Can you tell us a little bit about the French national team? How old were you when you were asked to be on that team? Well, you can be as young as you can, as long as you could. So I started to be on that team when I was four, uh, 13. I played the European team championship that time and I don't think so we finished really good and then I didn't make it in um, when I was 14 and I played again when I was 15 and that's where we won as a team so it's really good like memories for the because we are like we usually we're traveling as a six players and two staff so we had a lot of memory about that that was like really good um, golf time and moment time that's great now do you know Anne-Marie Pauly uh yeah, I know her a little bit. When when of course when we had the tournament in Phoenix, she's always coming to see us. So that's how I met her. 
Awesome. She's a really good player and really nice person. Yes, she is. I played on the tour with her. In fact, we got our LPGA tour cards at the same qualifying school. Small world. Yeah. Go ahead, Ted. Very good. Um, let me just ask you in, in closing, uh, just a couple of quick uh, questions, uh, Perrin, and then we'll let you go because we know you've got things to do today. Um, obviously, you need to find a, a balance in your life. Uh, obviously, golf is, is important to you, but also family and friends. How do you find that balance uh, traveling a lot as much as you do with uh, with tour life? Um, it's not easy all the time, but I got lucky to have my family support me really good. So I'm just like calling them when I need it and just try to spend as much time as I can. But I know during the season it's hard. So I'm, I'm usually saw them like once or twice a year. So it's not enough for me, but I'm, I'm just like, I know I'm here for work, so I'm just trying to be focused on my work. And I got a lot of friends on the tour, so they help me to also to be focused. And I got a really good friend in Orlando where I'm living, so it's kind of it's hard, but I I I still get it really good. So I'm I'm good for now. That's awesome. good. Well, you know, yeah, now's the time when you're young like this to be able to do the traveling and, and, and really play, um, you know, get, get the competitive golf going in that, which you have been doing. And, and again, congratulations on your win. Uh, and obviously, you know, with technology today, it's easy to communicate anywhere around the world through different social media and that as well with friends uh, when you're not able to see them face-to-face. So um, obviously that's important. You have to find balance. Uh, final question I want to ask you, and I think this will be something that will really help some of the listeners out there because we all – you know, we all golf is, as you know, uh, Perrin and, and Cindy is a, a very difficult game, and uh, we're not always going to win everything and always be able to play our best. And there's going to be some disappointments. How do you handle your disappointments in golf? Well, you need to accept it first. So some of the players going to take longer than others, but when you're going to accept it, you need to learn what would you miss it, like why you miss that tournament or why you miss this course or what and then from there you practice to get better so for me I'm just practicing every day to get better from like the day before even on Saturday on Sunday I get better I got better Sunday than Saturday every day for me it's a new day it's a new opportunity to get better so I'm just trying my best to like just learn about more about myself and get better right would you say in closing Corinne that the, the key element to handling disappointment is to always make sure that you learn from that experience, good or bad? It's to learn to accept and then just to move on. Because we if you learn but you don't accept, you're never gonna you're never gonna get better. But if you accept it, you learn like you know what what was wrong and you accept it. So that means in your mind and your body you're ready to make a move. Right. Well said. Well, it sounds like you've certainly done that, and we want to, again, congratulate you on your win at the Four Winds Invitational. And uh, I think with an attitude, Cindy, like that, she's going to have a very promising career, and uh, I'm sure we'll see her uh, in the winner's circle many times. Um, thank you very much, Perrin, uh, for joining us this morning on the, Women, yeah, on the Women of Golf Show. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, guys. Have a good day. 
Thanks you for too. Your time. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. Uh, that was our uh, special guest, Perrine de Delacour, uh from Paris, France, um, all the way over here to win the Four Winds Invitational on the Symmetra Tour. Um, Cindy, before we uh, bring on Paul, uh, I think we need to let the folks uh, hear a little bit of what uh, you have planned for them uh, as far as uh, some great speaking engagements. So why don't you set this clip? Well, I've been very fortunate and um, have been asked to do an awful lot of engagements where I help business people learn how to use the game of golf uh, as a tool to help them build their business. And, and I'm not sure, if, I'm sure most of our listeners know that having access to people and, and being able to spend four hours on a golf course with them is really important. Well said. Excuse let's me. take I was let's take a listen. Hold the uh, hold the sneeze. Forgive me. Take a look. Listen. <laughs> Everyone knows business deals are made on the golf course. Knowing how to act is just as important as how you hit it. As an LPGA professional and corporate trainer, I offer workshops, seminars, and executive retreats to teach you how to do both. From the back nine to the boardroom, improve your team from the inside out, or golf one hundred and one for executives might be the perfect fit for your team. Maybe it's time to make some deals on the course. For more information, go to cindymillerinc.com. All right, so for those of you tuning into the show, make sure you go and visit cindymillerinc.com after the show. And if you're interested in having Cindy do just that, uh, you can reach out to her there, all of her contact information. Um, Cindy, uh, this next guest is actually I'm very, very familiar with, as I'm sure you are, uh, Paul is one of the country's leading golf coaches. He's a Golf Channel Academy lead coach and was recognized uh, by Golf Di- Digest as one of the best teachers in New Jersey uh, for 2017 and 2018. Uh, he was also honored uh, by U.S. Kids Golf as one of 2017's top 50 kids teachers. Uh, he's a Level 2 certified by uh, Titleist Performance Institute, or TPI for short, Aimpoint and K-Motion. And 15 of his junior clients have earned spots in the U.S. Kids uh, golf World Championships and Teen World Championships held annually at Pinehurst Resort. Uh, he serves on Foresight Sports Advisory Board and the New Jersey PGA's Junior Golf Committee. Uh, and he's also been a regular on my Golf Talk Live's Coach's Corner. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest here on the second half, uh, Paul Castor. Good morning. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Hi Chad. I miss How you. How are you guys? Well, we're doing well. Welcome, Paul. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to great to be with you and uh, talk to two of my my good friends. How is everything? Everything's doing well. How about you, Chloe and Mama? <laughs> Everybody okay? Everybody's doing really well. Everybody's doing well. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. Well, Go ahead, Ted. Well said. Um, so. Paul, I thought we would talk a little bit this morning, uh, the three of us, about, um, you know, obviously a lot of, uh, especially we'll talk about more corporate types, but get out there and maybe play in a, in a corporate event or maybe even some of our club professionals that get in the club championship. Uh, there's a lot of things that they can do to help, uh, you know, tune up their game, if you will. Um, and one of the things, obviously, is getting familiar with the course, uh, even though, um uh, you might have played on that particular course uh, a number of times before. Um, really getting familiar with with some of the 
the ups and downs that you're going to be faced out there is very, very important. So when you're working with some of your students uh, that are getting ready for whether it be a corporate event uh, or, as I said, their club championship uh, or even a tournament of other sorts, uh, what are some of the things that you do to try to help them get familiar with the course they're going to be playing? Uh, well, I think, um, you know, these days we have access to a lot of great technology that uh, allows us to not necessarily always have to go for a practice round. Um, it's always a good thing to do that. And, um, you know, I find that uh, just kind of coaching clients about how to, how to play a practice round and what to focus on, um, a lot of times, uh, you know, we have experiences and, and knowledge about these things that we kind of take for granted, like what to look for, uh, what to focus on when you're out there um, playing in a practice round. A lot of us are better off just kind of coming up with a strategy rather than trying to shoot a score. Um, and I think that, you know, amateur players, a lot of times they'll go play a practice round and focus on what they shot in the practice round and not necessarily getting to know the golf course, which, you know, sometimes, those can be two different things uh, or two different processes, uh, processes, you know, so um, playing a practice round, but also you can use Google maps. A lot of golf courses have great websites these days that have like flyovers and descriptions of holes and things that we can use just to kind of prepare ourselves so that we're not completely caught off guard and uh get a maybe a different perspective on the golf course so that you can come up with a game plan or a strategy uh, before you go play. Right. Well said. And, and, you know, obviously having that strategy is, is smart. As you said, through technology and, or even on course play, getting familiar with where everything is, is, is paramount. Would you, would you say um, Paul, that one of the problems that maybe a lot of amateurs have is, in, instead of getting to know where some of the uh, trouble is, that they focus on the trouble when they're playing and not really just being conscious of it, but actually get to, to the point where they, it actually paralyzes their play because they're worried about bunkers out in the fairway or they're worried about maybe a water hazard that runs alongside the fairway or, or, or out of bounds, that, that they tend to spend too much time focusing on that and not really um, preparing a strategy or plan on how to navigate some of those uh, dicey waters, if you will. Yeah, I think I think that that's probably more common with less experienced or less, uh, you know, forgive me, but skilled players. You know, I think, um, you know, the better we get as golfers, the more we learn how to to tune those things out and focus on our goal or our target, and less so on on what the trouble is. But as a good player, we all know that there's trouble on the golf course. You're playing an obstacle course, right? It's the golf course isn't your friend. Um, we're out there, right? to you're accepting a challenge just you know to to go out and play a round of golf but i think um you know good players know how to focus on uh high prob you know high probability shots uh where to aim making sure that based on your knowledge of your ball flight that you're aiming at a you know at a pretty high percentage area of the hole so that you're not taking risks that you don't need to take uh, that might might hurt your score. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think less experienced players might see the trouble everywhere. You know, I can remember that when I was younger. Right. Um, and uh, and better players, after being able to trust your ball flight a little bit, you kind of 
know where where you should be aiming and and you don't focus so much on the trouble right and it becomes more of a position and and playing to your strengths um, just one final question then Cindy I'm going to uh, turn it over to you to to follow up with some of your questions um, obviously you know optimally it's uh, there's a number of people out there that obviously maybe have a, a local golf professional or, or a teach professional that they're working with uh, but for those that don't do that on a regular basis uh, is it a good idea Paul do you think to maybe a few weeks out or maybe even a little sooner than that uh, to connect with a prof- your, you know, your local professional or club professional and maybe get him to help you, uh, him or her to help you with uh, uh, some of those issues that you mentioned? 100%. Um, yeah, I think uh, obviously it kind of depends on how you feel about your game and um, if you are in good shape going into a, what you feel is a big event and feel your golf swing's in a good place, you probably don't want to start working on a lot of technique. Um but there are little things that we can do to, to help improve our confidence and the way we play. Um, and it always helps to have somebody take a look and, um, and give us a couple of things that kind of can be an anchor uh, when you go out and play, play in a tournament. So, you know, you don't want to overhaul your golf swing a month before a state right. amateur qualifier, um, but definitely getting some help and, and getting some reassurance uh, can be really helpful. Well, and also planning, helping maybe to plan that strategy, as you said, you know, the teacher professional, particularly if they're familiar with the course you're going to be playing, um, can maybe help you a little bit further in, in, in preparing that strategy and not necessarily, as you said, overhauling a golf swing, but tightening up some of the areas that, that need to be and, and uh, working on, on a game plan, if you will. Um, Cindy, go ahead. I'm going to shift states a little bit, uh, Paul. Paul and I met at the U.S. Kids Level 2 Certification Program, and we both teach a lot of kids. So, Paul, I'm going to ask you, how do you handle parents that are too pushy and trying to instill their goals on their children? Ooh, that's a very good question. Um, I think uh, – in my in my business, I try to work with parents as much as I possibly can. Um, I accept the fact that they're with their kids way more than I am, and uh, oftentimes, oftentimes parents who uh, are driven on behalf of their children, shall we say, um, you know, don't have a ton of golf experience and don't really understand how difficult the game can be. Um, and how variable it can be. And by that, I mean, like, the fact that you can shoot, you know, 72 one day and 82 the next, and that there might not really be an explanation other than that's just golf, you know? Um, And so trying to help them understand that it's not for lack of effort. uh, It's not because the child, you know, didn't, didn't work hard enough the day before the tournament, that it just could be, you know, result the the result of the golf of the game being kind of tough um and you know trying to have a a friendly but also kind of uh authoritative uh role in the relationship to make sure that they um they understand that you know through your experience you have some knowledge and some and some things uh that they may not have that uh, that your experience in the game and that your experience as a coach or your experience as a player uh, actually 
you know, uh, might be larger than their experience with their child, their, that one, that one person. Right. So I think, um, I don't know, all of that stuff, uh, plays a role, I think for me. I agree. I agree. Is there, um, do you ever have like team meetings with parents and the children? Like when I'm doing a clinic uh, and I have more than one child having the same issue, I'll call all the kids together and I'll say team meeting and then I make the parents come over and listen as well. And some of the older kids who have a little more tournament experience, I'll ask them to share, you know, if they had something happen on the golf course where they either, you know, made a big mistake and and sometimes we'll even joke about, you know, what's the highest score you've ever had on a hole and what happened. And then we, you know, it's, it's okay to laugh about it after the fact, but to learn, you know, maybe I could have stopped myself from getting so mad and lashing away um, at the ball. Do you ever have like team meetings with parents and kids or do you always teach private lessons? Well, and, so I have an indoor facility now, and, and it's geared much more toward kind of private lessons, but the parents are always present. Um, I, you know, in the past would, you know, would definitely have team gatherings and uh, and share stuff like that, but I haven't, I haven't done what you just said, which is kind of call a meeting to address a particular issue, which is, I think, a great, a great thing to do and a, and a really wonderful idea. Um, you know, a lot of times I would I would have a, a team meeting and do kind of an orientation uh, and talk about my you know my philosophy or what I was hoping to get out of a program um, with the parents present. But you know, I, I really like your idea a lot, Cindy. Now I have uh, you know I, I tend to focus a lot on trying to help the parents and the children. Um, you know, get the most out of their, their practice time together and the process of trying to get better because the parents are really with the, the kids so much. And I find it's really important to make sure that uh, the things that are being said uh, to the player, uh, you know, as they're developing is really, really important. Got it. Ted? Paul, let me ask you, um, we'll, we'll keep on this theme uh, about kids, but uh, sort of apply some of the other uh, questions that I had. Obviously, you know, you want to help um, any of the kids that you're working with to be able to understand what their strengths are and be able to use and play to those strengths. So obviously some of the tools as a golf professional um, that we can use uh, is helping them to assess and develop a good uh, warm-up routine, uh, obviously helping them to understand things like speed of greens uh, and knowing obviously their limitations. Um, so what are some of the things that you do with some of the kids? And let's, you know, take an example of whether they're a new, uh, a new student that you haven't worked with before, or even if they've played a little bit of golf and, and maybe worked with others, but haven't quite uh, gotten some of those things down. How do you help them develop some of those uh, routines, if you will, in their warm up? and understand things, um, how to, 
how to really test the greens, uh, understanding the speed of the greens, and putting all these nuts and bolts together, if you will, uh, and then using them to develop uh, strengths in their game that they can use out in the golf course. Well, I think, uh, are you talking about kind of a routine before you go play in a tournament or just practice in general, Ted? A, a little bit both, I think. Uh, I think really both. So take take either one, whatever you feel like uh, talking about. Yeah, sure. Well, I think uh, getting ready to play in a tournament, um, there's kind of a, you know, we all have a process that may be a little bit different. Um, you know, think about a player like Carlos Franco, who was around, um, you know, played on the PGA Tour and the Champions Tour, and he was famous for not, not hitting a golf ball uh, during his warm-up and not really practicing a great deal, but he was successful. Um, so, uh, you know, I think everybody needs to understand what what their own process is for going out and functioning the best that uh, that they can on the golf course during a competition. Um, some of us tend to feel like extended, you know, practice sessions um before we play tend tend to get us a little bit too mechanical um and in that case focusing on short game uh and putting and just kind of getting a feel for the surface uh for the speed of the greens and and um you know getting used to those things can really be uh a better way to to focus your time um but it takes some time and some you know just some experience to kind of learn what what works best for you uh, you know, generally, I think a lot of people would be better off giving themselves more time before you get to a, a tournament. Uh, make sure that you leave yourself, you know, probably at least an hour, if not more, um, you know, to, to get get there, get registered. Um, make sure that you're not feeling rushed uh, and that you have a chance to go, you know, test, like you said, test the, the speed of the greens and figure out, well, if if I'm going to make a stroke that's, you know, five or six inches long, how does, how does, uh, how far does the ball roll on that stroke? If I make a, a stroke that's a foot long, how far does the ball roll on that stroke? And then you start to kind of see how, what the greens are, uh, are rolling and, and how fast they might be. Um, so I think, you know, uh, it, it definitely, uh, is helpful to have kind of a set routine and a lot of us tend to say well this is what you do you get to the driving range you spend 20 minutes uh, you go to the putting green you spend 20 minutes you chip for 10 minutes and then you go out to the golf course or whatever whatever the order might be but sometimes having it be that regimented doesn't work for everybody um, so you know uh, accepting that you might have your own way starting with sort of like a process like that, uh, but then being willing to kind of change it over time based on how you play and how you feel uh, is it's pretty important. It's good to be flexible. Right. And and I think you would probably agree that it, it's important too, to, especially for some of the younger players out there um, that are just sort of starting out, um, to experiment a little bit as well, uh, you know, in their practice sessions. You know, don't be afraid to try something different you know, if you've been kind of doing it the same way and you're not getting the results that you're happy with, that it's okay to maybe make some changes. And I don't mean just swing changes, but, you know, again, um, maybe trying some specific drills that you haven't normally used uh, on the golf course. 
um, uh, you know, as a student to to do that and just experiment a little bit and and find your way and and create your your own routine as opposed to you know watching somebody on TV and saying okay well I want to copy or mimic them because that may not be uh, you know serve you as as best as as it could. Um, another thing too, very quickly, and, and then I'll turn it back over to Cindy. Um, you know, we're, we're all about statistics, I think, now in, in the game. And I'm not talking about swing speed or, or um, you know, um, that sort of thing or club head speed. Um, but statistics on the golf course, do you try to encourage uh, some of the juniors that you're working with to, to sort of record their statistics, you know, how many greens in regulation, that sort of thing, for future reference? Uh, absolutely, yeah. I, um, I've i been using a stats program called Shot by Shot um, with, uh, with students for a long time, um, and uh, it's extremely valuable to, to keep track of your stats, but it's, you know, it's also really important to um, have some understanding of how your stats compare to what your goals are. Um, if you're just keeping, you know, greens and regulation, putts, putts per green, fairways hit, things like that, which I find, you know, a lot of players do, um, but you don't know how, what your numbers, how your numbers relate to, you know, maybe a tour player, maybe a college player, maybe a four handicap, um, then the value of that information that you're keeping is kind of limited, right? So, um, right. You know, I think um, using a stats program like uh, like Shot by Shot, owned by Peter Sanders, who writes for Golf WRX, he's a great guy. Um, you know, I think in that program you're keeping track of proximity to the hole, and you're basically getting almost tour quality information for you, and allowing yourself you're you're able to compare your your game your results to, to people who um, you can kind of set a target, you know, and say, I want to, I want to see how I compare to a four handicap or to an eight handicap if I'm a 15 and you can really uh, compare, you know, where you are and actually assign a handicap to each of your skills. So it's very, very important um, because, you know, most of us don't really know how good we are. Uh, at certain things and uh, you know, at the different uh, areas of, of skill um, that we need in, in golf, chipping, putting, short game, bunker shots, um, driving the golf ball. And once you start to get real information, you can actually kind of tailor your, your practice and focus your instruction and all of that stuff. Yeah, and I think it goes back to, again, helping to develop a player's strengths in their game. Once they understand that, and by keeping those stats, uh, they have a better understanding of what areas of their game that they're really good at and other areas that need improvement. So, again, like you said, you can uh, help uh, custom tailor a, a better uh, teaching program or coaching program, but it also gives them some very solid feedback as well as a student to be able to say, okay, I know I've got to work on these things here, and we can do some of it with my coach and some of it I'll know to do on my own. Um, some great answers there, Paul. Thank you. Um, Cindy, go ahead. I think, Paul, the other thing is, is, is our students can come back and, you know, come in for their second or third or fourth lesson or whatever type of program they're on, and you can say, well, how have you been playing? 
and sometimes they'll get so emotional and well, I just I'm hitting it terrible and and well, how many fairways? How many greens? How many putts? Uh, I'm gonna sneeze again. Excuse me. And um, I think that it's like a doctor. You know, you go into the doctor and they say, well, we need to do some tests. So giving us the stats is like doing tests. You know, if you missed five fairways, were they all left or were they left and right? And if you missed 10 greens, you know, were they short, long, left, or right? And so I think it's so important for our students to be accountable and to really face the truth of what they're doing in their game so that they can unemotionally tweak it and it will better help us to help them, if that makes sense. Do you agree? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, there, there, there's amazing technology coming along now when it, when it comes to this stuff. Uh, Arcos is, you know, an example. I'm on Cobra's staff. Arcos is built into, you know, now basically come standard in all of Cobra's clubs um, without any kind of upcharge. It's like a $250 system. But you can get all that kind of information uh, just by having the, your phone on and the app open in your in your pocket, and you start to see patterns. And one of the, you know, one of the really important things for golfers to understand is that we all have patterns. And if you start to focus on your patterns objectively and unemotionally, like you said, Cindy, um, that's when you're going to start to experience some improvement. You know, it's, we all get emotional when we're playing golf. You, if you're playing well, uh, you can become too aggressive. If you're not playing well, you can become too defensive. People get uh, angry you know, you make bad decisions just because you're not seeing things clearly. Um, and then it's really hard to kind of look back on a round and, uh, or a tournament and be objective about what actually happened, what were my misses, what were my patterns. But when you have this data and it's like black and white and it says, you know, I missed five key shots and they were all on the left side of the hole, um, then you can kind of look back and and think about well what were the swing issues that were causing the ball flight problems that caused me to get sidetracked and upset you know and uh, we all tend to focus on the things in our practice that make us feel good um, I was a good ball striker growing up I loved hitting balls uh, I probably didn't focus enough of my time on some of the other things that I you know that might have helped me as, you know, a little bit more. Um, and I, you know, over time using these programs, using stats, um, can really benefit, uh, your, your practice and start to help you see things a little bit more objectively. Awesome. Well said. Um, any further questions or or comments, Cindy, that you want to make before we let Paul go? No, I'm good. I'm so glad he was able to join us today. Thank you, Paul. Uh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, we appreciate. Yeah, we appreciate it, Paul. Um, well, thank you thank for you, for your you insight for and me. and uh, not a problem. And Paul, um, why don't you just take a moment or two to let the folks know that are tuning in this morning, um, best way that they can reach out to you if they're interested in working with you or maybe getting more information uh, about what it is that you offer. 
uh, now's the opportunity you can uh, can do that and share that with the audience. Uh, best way to reach me is uh, probably through my website, which is paulcastergolf.com. Um, I also uh, have uh, accounts on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, my Instagram handle is paulcastergolf. Uh, Twitter is paulcaster. I'm on Facebook as well. Um, I'm about an hour south of New York City, right next to Red Bank uh, on the Jersey Shore. And um, it'd be great to meet anybody who wants to make the trip or or perhaps uh, even do a remote session. I do those as well. So uh, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. And it's great to talk to you as always. Thanks, Paul. Thank yeah, you. we appreciate it, Paul. Thanks, and, and I'll see you next time uh, on the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, always a great contributor there as well, and, and we appreciate you sharing your, your thoughts and insight this morning on the women of golf. So have a great week, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Sounds good. You guys have a great week too. Bye-bye. All right, it was Paul Castor, uh, Paul Castor Golf Coaching. Uh, great guy, Cindy. He's, uh, he's as I mentioned, he's been on uh, – the other program that I do, Golf Talk Live, uh, and particularly on the Coach's Corner panel, he's been a guest as well. But uh, and just a very laid back, uh, kind of easygoing, but very very smart, knows his stuff. And uh, you obviously had the opportunity to meet with him. You said at a, a certification course. Yeah, at the U.S. Kids Golf Level Two certification. He's a great guy. Yeah, very very good. And and you know, uh, he, he shared a lot of really interesting insight you know, into working with juniors. That was some great questions, Cindy, that you asked him. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of people out there, and, and, and really this is not just for the, our, our fellow coaches and teaching professionals that maybe work with some juniors, but also for the parents that might be listening in as well. Uh, you know, we want you certainly to be involved and active uh, in that program, uh, but sometimes you've got to learn to know when to step back and let the instructor sort of take uh, the handle, if you will, uh, of your children. They're obviously very well trained, and, and uh, especially if they're, uh, been U.S. Kids Golf certified. Um, they know how to handle the kids and, and how to uh, get the best out of them uh, and, and help share their uh, experience. And really it bottles, bottles down to this, Cindy, is we want, regardless of whether it's junior golfers or adult golfers, we want them to have fun. And uh, if they're uh, stressed out and concerned about performance issues, uh, whether it be you know, with, uh, in front of parents or, or in front of their fellow players, uh, they're not going to enjoy the experience, and we certainly want them to do that. So um, great discussion. As always, Cindy, welcome back. Glad to have you here, and I know you're off to spin some more plates this this week, so take it easy. Relax a little bit. You've done a lot over the last uh, week, and uh, it's time to rest a little bit too. Agree. Will do. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Cindy Miller and I, I'm Ted Odorico uh, here on the Women of Golf Show. God bless everybody. And we'll see you next week here on the Women of Golf. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf Show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and, of course, Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.